Blog Talk Radio. We have come tonight to worship him. To worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. His name is Jesus. And we believe that he is alive and well and right here with us tonight. Do you believe that? And it is in his name that we have gathered together in this place. When we gather in his name, he promises to be in our midst and to equip us with the strength and the power and the hope to do what he has called us to do. Crowds have lined the narrow street to see this man from Galilee. He's just a carpenter's son.
good evening. God bless you. Hallelujah. So happy to be with you at another program in Reaching Out Radio International. This is your broadcast host, Sister Pearl, in tonight's program, In the Word with Sister Pearl. How are you? I wish I could hear your response, but um, I'm trusting God that you're doing fine. And even if you're not, God is fully able to meet your every need and to do what needs to be done for you. So again, I just want to greet you on behalf of our uh, visionary for Reaching Out Radio International, Evangelist Montel Fields, how we love this great woman of God, an evangelist. We thank God for her, and so I want to just uh, represent her tonight and give you a very great welcome. And for all our other hosts that join us in this program, we welcome you wherever you're listening from, in the great continent of Africa, Asia, Australia, uh, if you happen to be in Europe, North America, South America, wherever you are, we welcome you. We welcome you so much. And we pray that as you listen, God's blessings and his favor will be richly upon you and your loved ones and to all that you reach out to in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, Tonight we're going to be looking at a, a special uh, message and it's because today we're celebrating Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday. And while so many people are hurriedly trying to purchase palms for today, Palm Sunday, and perhaps you did it yesterday or even uh, Friday or um, another day, Thursday, the question to consider is this. Do we understand why palm branches have significance on this day when we celebrate the Lord Jesus Christ making his entrance into Jerusalem? Do we really understand the meaning and the significance behind it? Well, today on this broadcast, we're going to be looking into what is Palm Sunday and the message for Tonight is Hosanna in the highest. And Hosanna means praise, adoration, exaltation. Hosanna in the highest. And we're going to understand more about that and what that uh, means to us as we go on in this message today. But before we go on, as is my uh, custom and what I love to do, is first let's just bow our heads, if you can, if you cannot, just agree in your heart with me. Pray with me as we reach out to the Lord and uh, we ask Him for His blessings on this message entitled, Hosanna in the Highest. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful as we bow our heads before You. And that just represents that we're bowing our hearts before You. We are submitting our wills before you. And we ask you, Lord God, to speak to us, Holy Spirit. Make this word come alive. As I often say, Lord, I cannot add anything to your word. I can just be your servant and your mouthpiece that you speak through. Your word in the Holy Bible is already anointed. You've already given us everything we need in that word, but sometimes we do need a preacher. We do need a teacher to help us to understand what your word says and the promises, the precious great promises that are held within that word. Father, make this come alive to us tonight for every man, every boy, every woman, every girl that's listening from around the world. God, please open up the understandings, open up my understanding, open up their understanding. Impart to us the bread of life and help us to understand what it really means to cry out to you, Hosanna in the highest. I pray that all spirits of distraction, hindrance, blockages will be taken away from us. Help us to focus in these next, say, 54 minutes or so. Help us to really understand what it is that you want to speak into our hearts and speak into our lives that brings freedom and restoration and peace and deliverance. We pray these things in Jesus' name, the name that's higher than every other name, 
Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. So God bless you again, beloved, and we're going to read from the precious word of God. We're going to read in Matthew chapter 21, and we're going to go all the way from verses 1 through 11. But I can just tell you, even before we complete um, this passage today, that if you would like, and I would encourage you to do so, this particular um, story is found in all four Gospels. So this story about Jesus entering into Jerusalem, uh, riding a little colt, it is found not only in the Gospel according to Matthew, but it's found in the Gospel according to Mark and Luke and also John. So the, the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all carry this story. Because it's so important. Everything in the Word of God is extremely important. But this is emphasized because it is critical to understanding who Jesus is and why he came to the earth. Amen? So I want you to really focus very clearly and carefully to what I'm going to be sharing with you in the next hour or so. So now I'm reading from Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. So again, I just read to you Matthew chapter 21 Verses 1 through 11. Now, when the Bible says in Matthew chapter 21, verse 4, and I repeat, this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Sometimes the writer of a New Testament gospel or epistle or book will give a quotation on occasion from the Old Testament. And why is this? Because the Old Testament many has has many prophecies that were written hundreds of years before the New Testament came to be. And so we are so sure that what we're reading the Holy Bible is clearly from God. Because how could just a natural man and a natural woman prophesy something hundreds of years before and it come to pass unless that prophecy was clearly given from God. And the prophet Zechariah in Zechariah chapter 9 verse 9 prophesied this that Jesus the coming Messiah would be riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. And it's from Zechariah chapter 9 verse 9. That Matthew. 
the disciple Matthew quoted from. I'm going to read it to you exactly from Zechariah in the Old Testament, chapter 9 and verse 9. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Wow. And so we see, here goes a clear fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy, fulfilled right in the New Testament in Matthew chapter 1 and verses 21, Matthew 21 verses 1 through 11. Let me say that again. Matthew 21 verses 1 through 11 is a fulfillment of the prophecy that was given to Zechariah as he prophesied in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. When we talk about government in today's world in 2022, in the 21st century, I'm, I, I'm, I'm living in the United States of America. I'm broadcasting from, the, from America but I'm sure wherever you are listening to this radio broadcast, whether you're in the same country that I am in, the USA, or you're in Canada, or you're in Mexico, or you're in any other nation around this world, you have a government. You have a people that have been put in position to rule to some degree over you and over your country, over your nation. But let's see, what does the word government really mean? Because, and the reason that I'm taking my time to explain this is because back in those biblical times, back at the time when Jesus was on the earth, when he became flesh and he dwelt among us, and then he became a man, a young man, we learn that he wrote into, as I read to you, he wrote into Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem, which is the capital of Israel, he wrote into Jerusalem on a colt, on a, a new donkey that had never been ridden on, on by a man or by another person before. And so, this that I just explained to you in Zechariah chapter 9 verse 9 was a clear fulfillment of that prophetic word that Jesus was to come. But see, now what those people were getting all excited about, remember when we read, they were so excited. They were saying things like, wow, um, this, is, this is wonderful. Verse 8, a large crowd. Chapter 21, verse 8, I'm going to repeat it again. A large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees. And those were palm trees. So that's why the palms are so significant to us today, because they were cutting branches from palm trees in those days. And they spread them on the road uh, to receive Jesus coming on that colt, on that young donkey that he was riding. And so they were so excited and saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And you even heard Sandy Patty sing that song that was played at the very beginning of this message. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Well, not only was Jesus blessed as he came in the name of his heavenly father, but he was and he is the Lord. He is the Savior. He is the Redeemer. He is the Messiah. He is the one that we look to. But what those people thought back in New Testament times, they thought, mistakenly so, that Jesus was going to establish an earthly kingdom at that time. Because they, some of them, especially if they were Jews, they were familiar with the book of Isaiah. And I'm going to read to you from Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. It reads like this. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. 
And he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Well, let's look at the word government. What does the word government really mean? What does it signify? What is the definition of the word government? We often hear this word. In whatever country you're listening to this broadcast from, you have a government. It might be different from mine, but you have a government nevertheless. And nonetheless. So let me give you the definition of the word government. The political direction and control exercised over the action of the members, citizens, or inhabitants of communities or societies. Another definition for government is the group of people who control and make decisions for a country or a state or a province or a region. I'm going to repeat the definition for government again. The political direction and control exercised over the actions of the members, citizens, or inhabitants of communities and societies. Another definition for government, the group of people who control and make decisions for a country, a state, etc., etc., province, barangay, village, wherever that you happen to live in. And so, the people of Israel, they were looking for a better government than what they were experiencing at that time. They wanted a fairer government, a, a more equitable government, a government that cared about their needs. So the people, you know, that, that, that thought that Christ would establish his earthly throne, they were so, you know, ecstatic, they were beyond themselves with joy and excitement. That's, that's what they were. But, but you know, because the people that were ruling their government, many of those that were in charge of them, just like many of those that are in charge of our present-day governments, no matter whether you're in the United States of America or in Canada or in Europe or in the Caribbean or uh, you're in the Baltic Islands or you're in an African nation, an Asian province or nation, country, you know, whether it's a free nation or it's a communist nation or it's a republic or it's a democratic, wherever you happen to be living in, uh, if it's a, a social government, wherever it is, there's going to be crookedness. There's going to be things going on that are not lining up with exactly what your government has proclaimed and declared in their articles, you know, their bylaws, their regulations, their laws, whatever. There's going to be a lot of crookedness. And so just as it is today, it was back in those days in the New Testament times. And the people, when they heard about the Lord Jesus and all the miracles that he was performing, all the wonderful things that he was doing, and the tremendous wisdom that he had, and he knew how to answer people when they were tripping him up. And he cared about people like nobody else they had ever come across. And he had the ability to change lives. He had the ability to heal. Wow, he could even raise people from the dead, literally. And he did it. He, he could lay his hands on blind eyes. And those eyes would come open and they could see. He could lay hands on people's ears that were deaf and stopped and they were dumb if they couldn't speak. And all of a sudden they could hear, they could speak. He could just come into a place and he could just speak a word even if he didn't touch the individual. As he did for the daughter of Jairus. He just spoke 
the word. He wasn't even with that daughter. But he just spoke a word to the father. And he spoke and said, your daughter, go home. Your daughter is well. Your daughter is whole. Your daughter is healed and delivered and set free. When the man went home, he, he found that his daughter was fine. So the people thought, wow, this is the great um, person who's going to lead our government. But they thought that that government was going to be for that time and that day. So I want to explain to you, this is the bottom line. Jesus does for us what we could never do for ourselves. Let, let me, before I even expand more on that, let, let me just say again something else from Scripture. This time I'm going to quote from Matthew chapter 12, verses 18 through 21. Again, Matthew chapter 12, verses 18 through 21. Look at my servant who I have chosen. He is my beloved who pleases me. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not fight or shout or raise his voice in public. He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. Finally, he will cause justice to be victorious, and his name will be the hope of the world. Now, this is another direct quotation from an Old Testament prophecy. This time, this prophecy was taken from the book of Isaiah chapter 42, verses 1 through 4. I'm not going to go and read that from Isaiah, because we don't have a lot of time, but I'm telling you where it's found. That was that what was spoken in Matthew chapter 12, 18 through 21 is a direct fulfillment of the prophecy that was given in Isaiah chapter 42, verses 1 through 4. So here's the bottom line. Jesus does for us what we could never do for ourselves. That's the bottom line. He does what no earthly government can do in spite of all of their grandiose promises. And what does that word mean? Because that might be a little bit difficult for some listeners to understand if English is not your first language. Or even if it is your first language, but you're not very proficient in the English language. Grandiose means very big. You know, they make a lot of big promises, politicians. In every country, you know what I'm talking about, they make all of these big claims when it's election time. But Jesus actually does not just make big promises, he fulfills what he promises. Very different from our politicians. Very different from the politicians of those days back in the Old Testament and New Testament. Jesus does what no earthly government can do in spite of all their grandiose, meaning big, high, and exalted. You know, they make a lot of promises. You know how it is when an election time comes about in a country. Politicians love to make a lot of big promises. But most of those promises are worthless. And the majority of the time, the politicians who are making those promises are just completely lying. They know that they're lying. They know they have no, no expectation of fulfilling those promises, but they know it's something that you would like to hear, that I would like to hear, so they go around and they lie. It's horrible, but that's what they do. Now, I doubt that the praising and the adoring of Jesus understood. The people that did all that praising and, oh, Hosanna, hallelujah, glory to God, we exalt you, we're so happy to see you. I doubt that they even knew who Jesus really was. They were just taken up with all of the, you know, miracles that they'd heard that he performed. And a few of them actually saw those miracles with their own eyes. But the story had, had, you know, had, had the news had gone ahead of Jesus. And people were talking about Jesus and all the wonderful things that he was doing. 
So when other people heard, they were ecstatic. They were excited. Because the very same people, not different ones, the very same people who were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And they were taking off their robes and putting their robes on the ground so that the colt that Jesus was riding on, instead of riding on the, the straight dirt and the pebbles and the stony road, that they could ride a little smoother. So they put down their robes, they put down uh, their sweaters, if it were, as it were. And, and when they couldn't do that, they got, you know, branches from the palm tree. And they laid down these nice, wide, uh, thick branches of palms. And they let the colt that Jesus was riding on, ride on them. And they were shouting, Hosanna! In the highest! Please, come! We welcome you! We welcome you! But the same people that were shouting Hosanna, just a little while, like five days later, the same people that were crying Hosanna were crying out, crucify him. Crucify him. Crucify him. When they had the opportunity to choose a prisoner that would be released to them and that would be pardoned, and I'll explain this more, so please listen in carefully next week, God willing, to an exciting message that the Lord has put in my spirit to share with you. But I'm telling you right now, those same people that were crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna, and those same people that were putting down palms, the same very crowd turned hypocrites within five days and were shouting, give us Barabbas, and again, I'll explain to you next Sunday, God willing, or whenever you happen to be listening to this broadcast, wherever it's being played in your nation or in your area, please do listen in next week, God willing, because I'm going to be talking more about this. But the same people were crying, Hosanna, and then five days later were saying, crucify him. In other words, kill him. Kill him. Put him on a cross and kill him. Hmm. My Lord, my Jesus. So this is why I said, I don't really believe that a lot of those people that were, you know, so excited and, you know, so so eager and, and to the point of taking off their robes and, 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 and taking down branches from the palm trees, I don't really think that they understood who Jesus really, really was. Because if they knew who Jesus was and what he came to do for them, they would never, never, ever cry out, crucify him, give us Barabbas and crucify Jesus. They didn't know. They thought they knew, but they didn't know. Why? Because they were looking for him to establish an earthly kingdom. That's not what Jesus came to do the first time that he came to earth. Now, when he comes the second time, he will do that. He will do exactly that. But that was not his mission the first time that he came to planet earth. It was not to establish an earthly kingdom, an earthly government. What he came to do the first time was to establish his kingdom in the hearts of those that would choose to follow him. And if you don't believe what I'm saying is true, I'm going to read to you from the gospel according to Luke. Luke chapter 17, verses 21, 20, I'm sorry, Luke 17, verses 20 and 21. And here it reads like this. Now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, 
He answered them and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation. So in other words, you're not going to see me establish my kingdom. You're not going to see that. You're not going to be able to observe it with your physical, natural eyes right now. Nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. And I'm going to explain that very clearly. The kingdom of God is within you. But it does not come just like that. If you've listened to the last few broadcasts that Sister Pearl has been sharing with you, you will know that for you to experience the kingdom of God, you've got to be born again. So I want you to listen to the God's kingdom part one to really understand what it is to be born again. I cannot explain that at this broadcast. But listen to God's kingdom part one. And part two, and you'll understand what it is and how you can enter into the kingdom of God. You don't just, you don't just be born into the world and then all of a sudden think that you're going to be a, a, a citizen of the kingdom of God. It does not work like that. And you don't just be born into this world and because your mother is a is a, a member of the kingdom of God or because your father is a member of the kingdom of God that you automatically are made a member of the kingdom of God. No, it's not like that either. You've got to be born again a second time. And then you are able to enter the kingdom of God. And so Jesus explains as it is written in Luke seventeen twenty to 21 No, I'm not establishing my kingdom here on the earth now. And so even when you hear false messiahs and false prophets in your country or in another country around the world, and you hear them say, oh, you know what? Jesus has come the second time, but now he's come as a woman. That's a false teaching. And they have that in China. It's called Eastern Light. And I think now it's got even another name. You know, it's got another name. I think they go by the Mighty Church of God or something like that. Some kind of other name to, to, dis, to try to disguise the false cult. But Jesus has not, and I repeat, listen to me very carefully. Jesus has not returned for the second time yet. When he comes for the second time, he's not going to be hiding in a cave or hiding in a village or hiding in a province or hiding in some country or hiding in the bush. When Jesus comes the second time, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess whether they believe in Jesus or not. At that time, they will because they'll know. It will. He will not come back secretively. We're all going to know when he comes back. We're all going to understand. Nobody's going to be surprised. Nobody's going to be caught off guard. Everybody's going to know. So don't be deceived. Don't be lied to and don't believe a lie. Jesus did not return the second time yet. But when he does, trust me, trust the word of God. You're going to know. He's not going to be doing it in the back of some bush. Or, you know, hiding in a hotel room. We're all going to know. He's going to break the clouds. And we're all going to see. So, this is the great news which Christ brings. We sing Hosanna to the highest because only he. Now, get, get this. Even before he comes back and he establishes a, a physical government in Jerusalem, okay, before that takes place, he desires to establish his kingdom in your heart. He wants to rule and reign in your life. He wants to transform your life. You cannot, I cannot, we cannot depend upon earthly 
governments to give us satisfaction. It will never happen. They might give a little bit, you know, a little bit here and a little bit there, but there is no president, there is no governor that can give you peace of mind. Only Jesus Christ can give us forgiveness for our sins. No king, no queen. Even when the part, the you know, the president or of a nation or a premier or a king or a queen might give us a pardon from some sin that we committed or a crime that we committed, still that king and that queen that president, that premier, that prime minister, they cannot give us forgiveness in our hearts. They cannot, you know, give us that kind of peace that we're looking for. Because they themselves need God's peace. They themselves need the joy of the Lord. They themselves need satisfaction. Because they're human beings just like you and just like me. But Jesus, and that's why I sing Hosanna right now. I'm not waiting for him to come back a second time before I start singing Hosanna. I'm singing it right now. Why? Because, because of what he has done on the cross of Calvary. See, Jesus, when he came that time, riding in Jerusalem on a brand new little colt that had never been ridden on by human before, that was to signify that he was about to do the ultimate thing for you and for me. That was the signal that he was preparing to give his life as the sacrificial price to pay for the penalty of my sin and your sin. Wow. Because God demands, God the Heavenly Father demands a blood sacrifice for sin. To pay for the penalty of sin. Because God the Heavenly Father hates sin. Sin, why does he hate sin so very much? He hates sin not only because it is direct disobedience and rebellion against him, but he hates sin primarily because sin separates us from God. That's the real, ultimate reason why God hates sin. Sin. And that's why you and I should hate sin in our lives or in the lives of somebody else. We never hate the individual and we don't even hate ourselves. Please, God wants us to love who he created and he created us. He created you. He created that sinner. But he did not create the sin. And so the ultimate reason that God hates sin he hates sin so much that he came down in the person of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, wrapped himself up in human flesh and chose a virgin by the name of Mary to be the host that the Holy Spirit would impregnate, not the same way that that, you know, our mothers have been made pregnant? No. Our mothers were impregnated by our biological fathers. That's how you and I came into the world. Jesus, however, he didn't come that way. There was no man that had sexual intercourse with Mary prior to Jesus coming on the earth. She was a virgin. And God had to come through a virgin. She did not create God. God was God before she was ever created in this world. He was already God. 
And that's how come it says, the word of God says in John chapter 1, in the beginning, not just in the New Testament, not just when Mary had Jesus, but in the very beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. And then verse 14 of John chapter 1. And the word became flesh or put on flesh and dwelt, meaning lived, resided with us human beings in that day. And so Jesus, when he rode on that donkey, that was the signal to those that loved him and understood. I tell you right now, the great majority, probably 99.9% .9 of them, did not really understand what Jesus was coming to do. But we know now, he came to give his life as the supreme sacrifice. He came to shed his blood to pay for the penalty of my sin, of your sins, my sins, your sins, and the sins of the world. Because if even if I shed my blood, the Heavenly Father, who is holy, he cannot accept my, my blood. My blood is sinful. I've already sinned against God. You've already sinned against God. Even before we come into the world, the Bible tells us we were born in sin and shaped in iniquity. Listen, we're just like our parents before us. They're sinners and we're sinners. Every human being is a sinner. The only one who never sinned was Jesus. Because he didn't come into the world the way that we came into the world. He was already God before he came into this world. Before he put on flesh. He was already God. Amen. But see now, the reason that you and I today in 2022 should be shouting Hosanna is because only Christ can give us forgiveness. And he, he wants to give us. He's given me forgiveness. He, and he's given millions of others forgiveness. Wow. He, he's the only one who can give us peace. He's the only one who can give us joy. He's the only one who can give us true satisfaction in life. Money can't give that. Are you kidding me? Why do you think sometimes that you will hear about some person that is so wealthy that has billions of dollars, but yet they take their life. They commit suicide. They have a lot of things. They've got a lot of people around them that fawn over them, that, you know, that, that always want to be around them. But, but they know at the end of the day, it's not because they love them so much. It, they love what those rich people can do for them. They love the things that they can buy for them. They love the places they can take them on trips. But they don't really love them for who they are. If they didn't have any money, all of a sudden, when the money is gone, all of a sudden, those rich people have no friends. Just like, I don't know how many of you know this story. I've given it before in uh, Reaching Out Radio International and in our program, In the Word with Sister Pearl. But I'll be happy to tell that story again. I can't tell it tonight. But for those of you that understand scripture, you know the story of the prodigal son. When he got his inheritance... He had a lot of friends when he had a lot of money around him. And he bought them things and did things for them. And he had a lot of people. But all of a sudden when he lost all the money, guess what? All the friends were gone. No more friends. No more money. No more friends. <laughs> and a lot of rich people, even though they still have money, but they know in their heart of hearts, they have very few real friends. Very few people want to know who they really are or care about them. They just care about what they can get from them. Then again, Jesus is the only one who, can, who really knows us because he created us. Hello. He's the only one who really knows us. Even if our parents don't really know us, even if they love us, sometimes they don't know who we really are. 
And God is the one who can give us justice when even the court systems do not give us justice. God can give us justice. And when our bodies are sick and broken and need healing, and maybe the doctor has given us no hope, and they said, look, we've done all that we can do for you. We've done everything that we can that, you know, everything that we've learned about in the medical field, we've already exercised all of those options, and you just have to go home and die now because we have nothing else that we can do for you. Well, Jesus can heal you. Does he always heal everybody from all the sicknesses? No. And do I understand why that doesn't happen? No. But I know that he does heal because I've seen him heal lots of people and I know he's healed me. Lots of times when nobody else could. I remember a time that I used to bleed in the woman's way when I was much younger twice a month instead of once a month. And I went to all kinds of doctors. And I paid a lot of money trying to get to find the right doctor who could tell me to do the right thing or they had the right medication or they knew how to heal me, how to cure me. But guess what? I never found the right doctor, even though I must have gone to about four or five of them. They never gave me the right thing that could help me. I remember... In a time of just prayer, I felt the Lord leading me to go to a a health store and to, to just go in there. He said, Pearl, when you go, I will show you what vitamin to get. Literally, I did not read it in a book. I did not have somebody tell me what vitamin to get. And I'm not saying that God will always do that because sometimes he won't. I've had other things that I wrestled with physically, and God did not send me into a health store, and God did not tell me to get a particular vitamin. But in this occasion, he did. See, that's why it's important to have a relationship with Jesus and to be connected with the vine, who is Jesus Christ, and to be led of the Holy Spirit. It's important because then he will speak to you. He did not speak to me with an audible voice, but his spirit spoke to my spirit, and I understood what he was telling me to do. So he told me to go into this particular health food store where they sold a lot of vitamins, and sure enough, when I got to a particular area in that vitamin store he said stop look straight ahead of you and purchase this vitamin and I'm going to use that to heal you now he could have healed me without the vitamin he's God all he did it do needed to do was speak the word he chose to in that time heal me that way through the vitamin just like sometimes Jesus just spoke a word and somebody was healed another time he took his spit he spit on mud, he made clay, and then put it on somebody's eyes. And when the man had the clay that Jesus made and put, was put on his eyes, guess what? He could see. You know, it's not up to me to go and start spitting on mud and putting it on people's eyes. I will not do that. Of course not. Unless God specifically told me to do that. But he doesn't tell me to do that. He tells me now in his words specifically, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So that's what I do in faith, believing God. If he tells me to pray for somebody, that's what I'm going to do. Because that's what he told me to do clearly in his word. Or anoint somebody with oil for their healing. And that's what I'll do if God tells me to do that. So God told me to do that. Buy that vitamin, and let me tell you, I think it was within a week or two weeks, I never had that problem again from that day to this day. I never bled twice during the monthly cycle again. I had a normal woman's cycle from that moment on. Why? Because God is a healer. And don't even tell, let me tell you about protection, because God is a protector. See, nobody can protect you like God can protect you. Nobody. The greatest bodyguards 
cannot protect you like God can protect you. You know, a bodyguard can try to protect you, but if somebody really wants to hurt you and you're not being protected by God, guess what? They can kill your bodyguard and then get to you. So you need more than just a physical bodyguard. You need the protection of the Lord Jesus. So I want to repeat again. Nobody can govern us like Jesus can govern us. Nobody can do for us like Jesus can do for us. Nobody can forgive us like Jesus can forgive us. Nobody can give us peace like Jesus can give us peace. Nobody can give us joy like God can give us joy. Nobody can satisfy us in life like God can satisfy us. No husband, no wife, no son, no daughter, no friend like Jesus can. Nobody can give you justice like Jesus can give you justice. Nobody can heal you like Jesus can heal you. Nobody can protect you like Jesus can protect you. Nobody can feed you like Jesus can 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 feed you. And nobody can can make you have a right relationship with the heavenly Father like Jesus can. No earthly king, queen, president, prime minister, or any other world or local leader has the power to do what Jesus can do. Because they too are in desperate need of the Savior. So from now on, when you hear the phrase, it's Palm Sunday, and you see the people passing out or holding on to pieces of palms, in their hands. It means so much more than just some, you know, cute little design woven from a palm branch. It means the only true and living Savior of the world was getting ready to sacrifice his life, shed his blood to cover my sin, your sin. And, 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 and make me to be okay, forgiven, and give me the ability to have a relationship with him by the power of his Holy Spirit. Only Jesus can freely offer each and every day that healing. That peace, that joy, that forgiveness, and then put me to be in a right relationship with him. That's why we celebrate. I am not looking to President Biden, who is the current president of the United States of America. I am not looking to him for satisfaction. The poor man doesn't even know hardly what day of the week it is. Sad. And even if he did, even if he was very brilliant, I am not depending on a human being to give me satisfaction. I'm not depending on any president or any king or any world leader to govern me the way that I really need to be governed. I'm depending on the one that's called Christ Jesus. I'm depending on him and him alone. Because the word of God clearly says, clearly says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. I am allowing Jesus to govern me. And I would invite you, until he comes back the second time, to really establish his final government on the earth. I would recommend you to do as I'm doing and let Jesus govern you by the power of his Holy Spirit. May the Lord bless you. May heaven shine upon you. And may you, from this moment on, if you have not done it, just cry out to the Lord. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, forgive me of my sins. 
I believe that you have done everything that you said in your word that you have done for me, and I want you to be my king, my leader, my boss from this moment on. May the Lord bless you. Real good until next time, Reaching Out Radio International, in the word with Sister Pearl. God bless you, and be a blessing. Amen and amen.